This morning's sermon is less like one continuous thought and more like a little book with five chapters and then one brief concluding prayer. So you can listen to it all or you can choose a chapter as I go along to listen to or to meditate on. I'll mark each one as I go. Chapter 1, Fire and Rain. In December of 1969, James Taylor wrote what is probably his best-known song, a song titled Fire and Rain. It starts out, Just yesterday morning they let me know you were gone. Suzanne, the plans they made put an end to you. The Suzanne he refers to as a friend who had recently committed suicide, and the song was apparently written in response to her death. The chorus of the song is familiar to many of us. I've seen fire and I've seen rain. I've seen sunny days that I thought would never end. I've seen lonely times when I could not find a friend, but I always thought that I'd see you again. And then the second verse says this, Won't you look down upon me, Jesus? You've got to help me make a stand. You've got to see me through another day. My body's aching and my time is at hand, and I won't make it any other way. I have no idea whether James Taylor is versed in the stories of the Gospels or whether his reference to Jesus is anything other than something that passed before him rather than something from deep within him. But his pairing of fire and rain certainly brings to my mind the pairing of water and fire that sits at the center of this morning's scripture text. I've seen fire and I've seen rain. I baptize you with water. He will baptize you with fire. In our minds, what is the relationship between those two elements? Do they dance around or even beside each other? Does water put out fire? Does fire transform water into some other form? Are they two poles pulling in different directions? Or is the pairing of such basic and seemingly opposite elements in song, in poetry, even in scripture, a reminder that we always live in and between this and that. That we live in and between fire and rain. In and between life and death. In and between another day and no more days. Is it a reminder that the most basic elements are almost always paired in ways that can contrast and complement at the same time. Water and fire, wheat and chaff, that which is lost and that which is recovered. I've seen fire and I've seen rain. I baptize you with water He will baptize you with fire. Chapter 2, Messiah Dreams. 
At the center of this morning's text, water is set alongside fire. That pairing is made. But before the scripture gets to that part, the text begins with these words. As the people were filled with expectation. That is, out there in the wilderness where the people had come to see and hear John the Baptist and some to receive his baptism of repentance, they were wondering whether John the Baptist was the Messiah they were waiting for. The Messiah, the anointed one, the next king, the overthrower of oppressors, the savior of a people. The people came with expectation which is another way of saying that they had both yearning and anticipation. Someone has finally come to save us, to put things right. Their yearning for a Messiah feels elemental, like water moving in a river, like a brush fire sweeping through a canyon. Why did they think John might be the Messiah? Why did they wonder if he might be the anointed one? The scripture doesn't say exactly, but there are hints of possibility. For one thing, John was forcefully and consistently preaching repentance, advocating for a solid and intentional turn from what is to what should be. He framed it as many prophets do. It's time to turn away from the path we are on. It's time to turn back to God. He preached to each individual who came out there into the wilderness to hear him, for sure. But his message was also for a whole people, for a community. Maybe they thought he was the Messiah because it felt to him that his preaching joined religious and cultural reforms to spiritual and perhaps national restoration. He called the people children of Abraham. So his naming of his audience was specific, selective. Wouldn't that be a message from a Messiah? And then there was this. John was preaching in the wilderness. His message came from outside the establishment, figuratively, but also literally, And John had a rare kind of personal and prophetic integrity. He wasn't catering to the crowds. You brood of vipers, he said to them. Bear good fruit or be cut down at the roots. They heard his message and they asked what to do. And he told them to do something real to set things right. To share their coats with those who were cold to share their food with those who were hungry. Here was a man who wanted something better, whose words were sharp, but whose heart was good. Here was a man who came from the wilderness, but who might lead them out of the wilderness, someone who could perhaps carry forward a holy mission of collecting the wheat and burning the chaff, a leader, a savior with clear answers. People who want a Messiah, a Savior, are probably on the lookout for one. And they're ready to do the anointing themselves. 
But John was careful not to get caught up in their enthusiasm for him. He knew that while he was the one who could grab their attention, he was good at that. He was not the one who could deepen their discovery, who would walk with them as they moved further down the path of redemption. That would be up to the one who would come after him. I baptize you with water, John told the crowds. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his granary, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. I've seen fire and I've seen rain. I baptize you with water. He will baptize you with fire. Chapter 3. Where's your axe? I wonder sometimes whether on down the road, days and even weeks after this wilderness baptism story, Jesus might have turned out to be something of a disappointment to John. Not quite the Messiah he was expecting. Because in truth, Jesus isn't John 2.0. He doesn't take the stern warnings of John and move them to the next threat level from level yellow to level red. If John is the one who swings the proverbial axe, then he must have expected Jesus to swing the proverbial axe and to raise the proverbial torch. But it's not the way it goes. No, something happens in the transition from John to Jesus. Yes, John gets their attention with water, But Jesus doesn't burn everything down with fire. It doesn't happen that way. Instead, when Jesus enters the water, the baptism by water is accompanied by a baptism of the Holy Spirit, but there's no fire in sight. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is expressed with a dove and by a voice, a voice from heaven. You are my son, the beloved. With you, I am well pleased. It's not fire. It's family. Chapter 4. Threat or promise? John the Baptist is an interesting guy. I kind of like him and I kind of don't like him. I like his simple straightforwardness. I like his connection between right believing and right living. Do you truly repent from your sins? Do you truly want to follow God? Then all of you share your coat and your food. And tax collectors, don't collect more taxes than what is prescribed. And soldiers, don't extort others by threat or accusation. John joins together motive and action. I like that about him. The part I don't like is the way he waves around the axe and the torch. He talks about baptism by water, but he is already wielding the fire. And he points to Jesus, the one who comes after him, as someone with the same agenda, but with even more intensity, more threat, more danger. That part of his message doesn't speak to me, and I think doesn't really speak of Jesus so much. There is intensity in the baptism of Jesus. There is calling, there's affirmation, there is divine messaging, 
But there's no fire, no fire and brimstone, no axe, no unquenchable fire. And yet, there is this important link between John and Jesus. There is a step and then another step. The difference between the two is not quite the difference between vinegar and honey, but certainly with John, there is warning, and with Jesus, there is promise. John warns of what happens when you live without love and integrity. Jesus promises what can happen if you do. One step and then the next. Warning and then promise. Later in Luke's gospel, Jesus himself speaks of the connection between him and John. This is after Jesus has called his disciples, after he has unrolled the scroll of Isaiah in his own hometown, after he has healed the ill and preached in the synagogues. Jesus has moved along in ministry, and John wants to know whether he was right or wrong to point to Jesus as the one to come. John wants to know, is Jesus the one? Listen to that part of the story from Luke chapter 7. The disciples of John reported all these things to him, meaning the miracles, the healings, the, the teachings, the ways that the crowd responded to Jesus. The disciples of John reported all these things to him, so John summoned two of his disciples and sent them to the Lord to ask, are you the one who is to come, or are we to wait for another? When the men had come to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you to ask, are you the one who is to come, or are we to wait for another? Jesus had just then cured many people of diseases, plagues, and evil spirits, and he had given sight to many who were blind, and he answered them, Go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have good news brought to them. And blessed is anyone who takes no offense at me. When John's messengers had gone, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to look at? At a reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? Someone dressed in soft robes? Look at those who are put on fine clothing and live in luxury. Are those who, look, who put on fine clothing and live in luxury are in royal palaces. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written, See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way before you. I tell you, among those born of women, no one is greater than John, yet the least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. And all the people who heard this, including the tax collectors, acknowledged the justice of God because they had been baptized with John's baptism, but by refusing to be baptized by him, the Pharisees and lawyers rejected God's purpose for themselves. Jesus continues, To what then will I compare the people of this generation and what are they like? They're like children sitting in the marketplace calling to one another, We played the flute for you and you did not dance. We wailed and you did not weep. For John the Baptist has come eating no bread and drinking no wine, and you say, He has a demon? The Son of Man has come 
eating and drinking, and you say, look, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Nevertheless, wisdom is vindicated by all her children. Chapter 5, The Wisdom of Both. Last week you heard of wisdom. Amy said, wisdom comes, it comes at the right time to break through patterns of belief, to understand something more deeply. It comes like a shockwave from the oddest of places. It comes like a stumble to flip our point of view. It comes like a child's exuberance that has nothing to do with you, but offers a flash of awakening. It comes like silken threads at the right time to hold us together. Here, In the story of John and Jesus, wisdom comes with our realization that there are times when the world will reject the truth in all its forms. The truth of warning as well as the truth of welcome. John and Jesus both. Here in the story of John and Jesus, wisdom comes in the form of water and the form of fire Elements in a dance with each other. Here wisdom comes as warning and as promise. Maybe that's the way of wisdom, coming in such different ways. Because some of us need to hear in those different ways the truth of our need to change. Maybe we are the brood of vipers sometimes. Maybe we are the beloved sometimes. Maybe we are both at the same time. If that's true, then thanks be to God who tries to reach us just as we are. Just where we are sometimes with vinegar and sometimes with honey, sometimes with fire and sometimes as family, sometimes with a call to repent and sometimes with the free gift of healing, sometimes in the wilderness and sometimes right here in the pew. I've seen fire and I've seen rain I baptize you with water, he will baptize you with fire. And chapter 6, last, a prayer to draw us in further. Please pray with me. In your wisdom, God, reach us now in whatever way you can, water or fire, warning or promise, John or Jesus, the sharp call to change or the warm welcome into the family. Use whatever seems best, O God, to help us begin to bear good fruit. Amen.